at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Yellow the Novel was the biggest gift to me because there's a song on there called Inganekwan, and Inganekwan means uh, fairy tale in Isizul. The messages are running through time, and I think they're given to different people to pass the baton to those people to say, okay, this is what the message of the times are. People from the past are not necessarily able to accomplish all of that. By learning about ourselves, we're able to carry those messages through. That becomes one of the most important lessons that I've learned.
Kalicha is our guest. That's behind the music today. And we're kicking it off with a song called Umdali. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us, Zoe. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to be here with you today. Oh, my goodness. So this particular song, I think, really, really reflects on you, you must have been in a very spiritual space when you wrote the song. You know, I feel that sometimes the idea of being in a spiritual space can can read off very hoo hoo ha ha. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I was I was definitely in a space that was spiritual, mm-hmm. but without me necessarily knowing that. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that was that I wasn't necessarily looking for the space to be spiritual, but I was open, mm-hmm. and I was completely open to receiving and. In that way, I would definitely say it was a, a spiritual yeah. space to be in, a space where you just spend time with your own thoughts and you realize and get so many revelations yes. about what life is and yeah. what we're here to do and to be, and it's special. Yes. So, so what then inspired your reflection on your ancestors, on your history, on the responsibility that we have to fulfill those dreams? So I, I had released my debut album, Yellow the Novel, yeah. uh, in, 2006, in 2017, actually, yes, yes. March. And we had been able to really, so many beautiful platforms. And um, in the time that we were performing all this material, which was really centered on self-reflection, I found myself actually digging deeper into what self-reflection is. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at the ways of the world and just being the silent spectator that I always am. Mm-hmm. And I found that black bodies seemed to be a concept that was popping in a lot in the conversation with my friends, with colleagues, you know, with my family. And I always found myself asking around that time, why is it that black bodies have to experience the plight that we do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me into being more curious about identity, which is something that is always a scary topic, especially if you're a young body that has had to assimilate to the Western world and speak with a certain accent to get certain opportunities, you know. Um, and I know a lot of people can relate to having to play that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, I was like, wait, but what is my identity? And I found myself questioning more of that, trying to understand where the people I come from um, related to that idea of identity. I uh, looked into language and what that means and how that comes together. Mm-hmm. And I found it to be particularly important to engage even the things that we believe in as black bodies. Mm-hmm. As much as we are given the freedom to be any kind of uh, person that we should be and we are not a monolith at that but I thought it was so important to engage even the idea of African spirituality which is something that gets to be demonized a lot mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. um, and it's seen as not something that is able to coexist with people's spiritual life mm-hmm. um, and I realized this, as much as I was being curious and I was digging in I was finding all these consistencies about the higher power that didn't remove the higher power from where they were in African spirituality, <laughs> in Eastern philosophies, in Christianity. Mm. And I was like, no, man, there's nothing demonic about us. And if you tell us that what we believe is demonic, we might start to think that the nature of the fact 
that we are who we are is also demonic, mm-hmm. you know. Well, well, so it's beautiful to rewrite uh, that and to examine it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this particular song, Umtali, refers to, to big, some biblical text. W- were you yes. seeking to, to, to marry the two and show exactly that, that, you know, th- there is no conflict? Um, I would say that the music as a whole is not this, la- this big plan that I had mm. in my logical mind. Mm-hmm. But I think by mere fact that I was open to being a vessel to it, I also began to realize that these two worlds, coexist Hmm. and not one coexists more than the other you know if Hmm. you say you subscribe to a certain belief system and you believe that makes you a decent human being you can find the thread of how african spirituality how western spirituality how eastern spirituality all comes together you know and i don't necessarily think it should live in isolation as long as it's pointing you to the truth and the betterment of your spirit life Yes. And you, you being a decent human human being, I think you're on the right track. My understanding is that it took you a while to put this album together. And I'm interested in you saying, you know, it wasn't necessarily a logical, intentional process. The music, you were the vessel for the music to come through. Why did it take so long? Um, I feel like with a lot of things like this, it's a mind over matter. Mm-hmm. And being able to explore something that has the potential to be controversial because everyone has very strong ideas of it needs a lot of bravery as well, you know. Um, And I'm the kind of artist that loves to reflect the times and to really be something that makes sense to the human ear and the here and now, Mm -hmm. but have that exist completely in truth. Mm -hmm. And even that needed me to be brave as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even the personal journey of feeling like I was not equipped, I wasn't Zulu enough, mm-hmm. I didn't know I'm a civil enough. Mm-hmm. All of these things kind of become a white noise to you mm-hmm. in being able to express mm-hmm. and realize that your perspective is enough and that it's okay to say there is an album that I released called Inkanegwane and mm-hmm. I am as much of a scholar and a learner mm-hmm. of my identity. I am not, uh, it's not expertise. Yes. It's it's wanting to start the conversation and to be a part of it because I think it's so important for all of us to be a part of it. And I think that can take time. Yeah. You, you released it obviously at a very, very uh, strange time while we were faced with the pandemic. You released it online as well. The, the, the response upon re- releasing this album, how, how did that land with people? Oh, goodness. I mean, first and foremost, I think the idea of the pandemic was just an initial disappointment. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one spends time working with some of the most amazing musicians and engineers and team. And, and no one spends time wanting that to be released mm-hmm. slapdag in the middle of a pandemic yeah. with yeah. all the disappointments that it comes with, you know. Um, but it just seemed like, it was exactly at yeah. the right time that it came out. <laughs> yes. Because of the conversations that were happening around us yeah. and how much they were part of the album. So you for know, me, your album, this particular album um, says, be still, be still and take mm-hmm. note. And I think that's exactly the message that was required for this time right now. I, I, I just think it, it just makes perfect sense that it was released at this time. I really appreciate that. And I think us as a human race are also ready to have 
a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, other people would call this the age of Aquarius, the age of truth-telling. Mm-hmm. You know, we are talking about things like femicides, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, Seize Must Fall. Um, there's so many conversations that we seem to be in a position to face and that the universe is in a position to put into the forefront. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm, I'm just so honored that even without my own planning, um, the body of work was able to speak to that mm-hmm. and, re- and to speak to the times in that way and in many ways be a soundtrack to mm-hmm. all these thoughts and these confrontations that mm-hmm. we are having with each other and ourselves. So Mudika is my guest. We'll continue with this conversation after the headlines with Nandika Buk. It happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation.
from Azomudicha, we also played you Utandur as well there from her latest album Inga Nekwani and um, we've been reflecting a lot with Zoe Mudicha around this this um, this particular album and why she got to where she is well, when you listen to the music Zoe I, I often find that musicians or artists in general are never finished when you listen to the music now <laughs> yeah. are there things that you think I still want to do more I still want to add to that music absolutely <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I'm a perfectionist about it and I always get nervous when people ask me what do you do when you listen to your music <laughs> it's difficult to be honest and yeah. to be like oh I'm actually hypercritical yes I'm and certain sure things are still here where I'm like oh, I shouldn't have done this or yep. that or the next yep. but I, I just lean on the fact that I went there with the intention to evoke emotion and yes. to be impactful and if that is achieved it doesn't matter what I think, it, you know. Is that what you think uh, live performances give an opportunity to do, to perfect, to keep going back and, and doing more with the music that you've already uh, put out there as, as published? You know, there's this thing that um, an amazing musician called Erica Badu said once. Mm-hmm. She said that being in studio is perfecting a moment. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you you have that frozen moment mm-hmm. in time, and it's something that will last forever. When people listen thirty, fifty years from now, they will have that frozen moment, mm-hmm. that perfected idea of yourself. Um, and live music is creating a moment, mm-hmm. and I love how we're able to exist between the spaces of perfecting, mm-hmm. where the need is there for that, but also to realize that there's so much creation mm-hmm. when you are watching your favorite performers on stage, where exactly the way that it is in the venue that you're in, mm-hmm. how you walk into the space, the mm-hmm. songs that you sing to, 
that moment is never going to recreate itself again. again. Yeah. It and is only going to be just the way it was. And the presence of an audience, right? Which I'm sure you miss. Absolutely. I absolutely miss. I feel like live music for me is where I realize or I'm constantly reminded and the idea that there's a divine energy is mm. reinforced. Mm-hmm. Because you're really just interacting with people's love for music and you're interacting with people's most vulnerable parts. Mm -hmm. And I find that after my shows, when I'm interacting with my audience, they really do become vulnerable with me and Mm -hmm. share how their music impacted them. And I just really respect what that is. Yeah, um, and I, I I enjoy that a great deal. I've I've often found that you are a very giving artist on stage, um, and I say that generally, even if you were not here, you you are very present in the moment when you perform. What's your preparation ritual? What do you do before you go on stage? Because because oh. I, I genuinely mean that in the sense that I've I found you to be one of the most present in the moment musicians. You are fully, fully in that moment. And there must be something that quietens you down before that. Absolutely. And I appreciate that, Evan, the fact that you've experienced the heart of that. Mm. Um, So when I organize an event, there's already an idea of creating something that is impactful, Mm -hmm. something that is not Mm -hmm. just there with people while we're still there and then we forget about it, but something that is quite transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I align my life performances to my life purpose. Okay. So it's something that I take very seriously in that sense. And in many ways, I'm serving the audience that is coming into that space. Mm. And then when I get into the space, finally, when the day arrives, mm. I obviously do all the admin that comes along with making a show happen, like checking the list of things that need to happen. Yes. And then as soon as we get closer to the time, I try to quiet myself. Mm -hmm. I say a little prayer Mm -hmm. and I I have an intention that I want this moment not to just be for me, but for every single person in the space. And I also try to create a space where the audience feels free to express themselves and interact with the music in the way that they choose, whether that's nodding their head yes. at the back of the room or okay, they're on yes. the side of the room or singing along or having a shy little dance with themselves, mm-hmm. however it is that they feel free. And that allows me to be free with them and to give every single part of myself when I feel that they are feeling that freedom for themselves as well. Then to what extent is that very same energy being carried through to your band members for you to realize that? Goodness me. I feel like, firstly, I've had the privilege to work with some of the most world-class musicians. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying in the, in the continent or in the country, but they are literally mm. world shakers and they're incredible that they're across. And I try to honor what that means to me and the privilege of what that is. And even the privilege of them wanting to carry me in the message that I feel that I've been here to bring. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very selfless thing to attach yourself to someone else's purpose. And you can find your purpose in someone else's purpose. And I think they do that so beautifully and so selflessly. So we, we definitely connect and we're telepathic in that way. And they are consummate professionals who also believe that we are working with people's life stories and souls through music. So we're very like-minded in that sense as well. So, Mudiha Abantu.
I mean, this is obviously, unfortunately, a very short time to talk to you and still play the music. But thank you for your time, Zoe. This has been absolutely wonderful. What a gift. Thank you so much. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, is there a performance we can look forward to next um, that you'll be serving us very soon? Absolutely. So I, I've been having a very fun time despite these realities that we're living in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been able to put a beautiful concept with myself and an incredible musician called Banda Banda mm-hmm. called An Intimate Story With. And with this, we are looking into music from my first album, Yellow the Novel, this album, Inganeguane, and his album, Africado. Mm-hmm. And we are just celebrating the black experience and look into the joys of what it is that we are as late as it is. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to do a lot of amazing sold-out shows in Cape Town and in Joburg, and our next stop is going to be Durban. Okay. Uh, we are yet to announce exactly what the day is, so yeah. that's a little surprise, but that's definitely what music lovers can look forward to. Well, thank you, and all the best to you, Zoe. Thank you very, very much. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful one. Zoe Mudicha, and it will be available as a podcast.